最佳听众互动奖得奖的是 First Story， 等等，还有一位是 First Story 和 Discord 共同得奖。First Story 最新推出的 Discord 整合功能，视为听众管理新标杆，将拥有会员资格的听众自动加入 Discord 群组。这不仅减少创作者的负担，也为听众带来丰富的互动体验，获得全台 Podcaster 一致肯定。体验这个惊人的功能，立刻点击叙述栏连接，让你与听众互动更上层楼。Independent presidential candidate Terry Goh has announced his running mate as Tammy Lai, an actress known for her role in a Netflix polit- political drama. Speaking at the press reveal, Goh hailed his new running mate as the best person for the job. Lai said she accepted the offer due to policy failures such as the 2016 five-day workweek law. Honhai founder Terry Goh has announced his running mate for 2024, Tammy Lai, an actress who played a successful presidential candidate in the Netflix show Wavemakers. I'm sure me standing here will make many people's jaws drop in shock. They probably wonder what on earth I'm doing, why I'm getting involved in this mess when poll ratings are so low. In 2016, a new five-day workweek law was passed. Since then, I have seen formerly prosperous businesses close one after the other. We need people with expertise and experience to formulate good policies. She's the only one I reached out to officially. We chatted three or four times. Go said Lai was the sole person for the job. The 60-year-old actress holds a doctorate in law from Jinan University and has studied at Harvard Kennedy School. Besides her singing and acting career, she's written books and served as a self-professed spiritual mentor. She's also been an assistant professor at National Yangming Jiaotong University. But as a newcomer to politics, many are wondering what she'll bring to Go's ticket. Guo Dong is a Go is a person whose nerves are always tense. I can cheer him up a bit, help him relieve stress. That will make him happier and smarter. It's precisely because we are both newcomers without any political baggage that we can dare to bring about bold changes. Go has maintained that he's running for president in order to unite the opposition. But amid his low poll ratings, there's a good chance he could quit the race, leaving his new running mate out in the cold. A nobleman brings out the virtues of others, so whatever position I may have is not important. I don't necessarily have to have a certain post. I can offer my help at any time. The next step for Go and Lai is to register their candidacy with the Central Election Commission by September 17th. Then they'll have to collect 290,000 signatures in support of their bid. How long the alliance will last remains to be seen. Terry Go has made a splash with his voice of running mate. His surprise announcement of actress Tammy Lai has gotten voters talking, and his rivals fending off questions from press. Ke Wenzhe of the Taiwan People's Party said that Lai was quote not a bad choice. The DPP's Lai Qingde smiled but declined to comment. The KMT's Hou Youyi had high praise for Lai's vocal talent. Lai Fu, how do you see Guo Taimei Fu, Shouzhou Lai Peixiang? 其实我听过赖佩霞的歌声，唱得非常的好。Actually, I have heard Tammy Lai sing. She sings beautifully. 赖佩霞是一个资深演员的，这几年也做一些公益事业的。Tammy Lai is a veteran actor, and she's done charity work the past few years. She's not a bad choice. 她今天这个一出来
Her big reveal was highly topical and consummately dramatic. Everyone is now looking for the running mates of the other presidential candidates. This forces the candidates to name their deputies for public discussion. Tongues are waging over Go's announcement as anticipation builds over who his rivals will choose. DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde says that if elected, he will reform the health care system to ensure sustainability. Speaking at a campaign event, Lai said that the NHI system was in a predicament and that the time for reform was now. The event was organized by a campaign coalition of doctors in northern Taiwan. The DPP's Lai Qingde attended an event organized by a doctor support group in northern Taiwan. He said it was an honor to be back among physicians and to have the support of the medical community. It is extremely significant for me as a doctor to have the support from the medical community. It is a great honor. I'd like to offer a bow of gratitude for your support. The support group includes physicians from Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong, Taoyuan and Yilan, as well as members of a grassroots medical association. In attendance were prominent medical professionals, including former health minister Ho Shen Mao. Ho spoke about how Lai fought to amend the Communicable Diseases Act as a legislator. Lai said his efforts were driven by SARS. I couldn't bear to see the damage that SARS had inflicted on the medical field. I hoped we could learn from it and amend the Communicable Disease Control Act. Little did we know that 20 years later we'd be up against COVID-19. Lai said that public satisfaction with Taiwan's health care system stood at 92 percent, but that the time for reform was now. We must ensure that the health insurance system is sustainable. The system is currently in a predicament. As president, my mission will be to reform the system. We fully support Dr. Lai, and we truly believe that as president, he'll continue to work with the medical community and work to ensure everyone's well-being. Speaking before the medical community, Lai laid out a vision for health care ahead of the 2024 election. The executive yuan has approved an increase to social welfare payments. Starting next year, there will be a 7% raise for eight types of benefits, including living subsidies for low-income households, national pensions, and old-age allowances for farmers. Let's hear from a representative. Starting January 1st of next year, national pension insurance payments and old-age farmers' allowances will be adjusted by the mechanism established by law, in accordance with the CPI growth rate, in order to improve protection for disadvantaged groups and older farmers. The increase will range between 143 NT to 1,190 NT a month. An estimated 3 million people are expected to benefit. About a third of them are people who receive national pension payments, which will rise from 3,772 NT to 4,036 NT. Half a million beneficiaries receive old-age farmers' allowances, which will increase from 7,550 NT to 8,080 NT. Single mothers were recently honored at an event held by a lifelong philanthropist. The chair of the Winter Plum Foundation, Chen Yang Li Rong, raised her children alone. When her finances improved, she dedicated herself to helping other women in similar circumstances. 
Over 52 years, she has given substantial financial support to almost 600 families. And now at 88, Chen Yang is as passionate as ever about encouraging and celebrating mothers who are going it alone. At this ceremony for single mothers, Winter Plum Foundation Chair Chen Yang Lirong presented 20 prize winners from Yunlin, Jiayi, and Tainan with a bouquet of flowers and a red packet worth 35,000 NT, and offered each one a warm embrace. This is a significant amount of money. For a family, it's worth a single mother's whole monthly salary. All these mothers are very strong. It's wonderful to work honestly to earn a living and support the family. Each of these 20 mothers has a moving story to tell. Chen Yang can relate, having lost her husband much too early. She was left to bring up her two children with difficulty. She vowed that if she became able, she would do whatever she could to help others in a similar situation. Once she had saved up 1 million NT, she would start to help others in the same predicament. She reached 1 million NT in savings in 1971, and in 1972, she started this work. Chen Yang may be extremely generous as a philanthropist, but she lives a very frugal life, abstaining from air conditioning and calling a 10 NT drink a luxury. I went to her home, and grandmother was very hot. She doesn't use air conditioning. That's the kind of heart she has, always caring about other people. Chen Yang has now been helping other mothers for 52 years, donating a whopping 12.6 million NT to 588 mothers in an impressive lifetime of philanthropy. Her greatest hope is that all single mothers will find the courage, perseverance and strength they need to see them through any challenge. The National Symphony Orchestra will kick off the second half of its 2023-2024 to season on September 17th. The opening concert will feature performances by Dutch piano sensations Lucas and Arthur Jussen and the National Sympathy Orchestra. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a sneak peek. They welcomed us the first time in Kaushumis with open arms. It was very warm. And, and because of that, because the memory was so good, we have looked forward to this concert. Dutch piano sensations Lucas and Arthur Yusen have performed with world-renowned orchestras, including the Boston Symphony Orchestra and Philadelphia Orchestra. Now, the brothers are in Taipei to perform with the National Symphony Orchestra. Celebrated German conductor June Markle, who became the National Symphony Orchestra's music director in January 2022, will conduct the performance. We're playing two pieces, very French-inspired. One is the double concerto from Francis Poulenc. And it's, um, I think, a very happy, energetic piece, perfect for a season opening, if you ask me. And uh, the other piece that we're playing is a piece by Toru Takamitsu, a rather modern piece, but with a lot of impressionistic details in there as well, because it's based on La Mer from Debussy. I think it's very nice to always combine a more old, a traditional classical piece with a more new style and uh, also for the audience because they hear both the styles. Uh, we, are, we are so happy to be here in uh, Taipei and to play with, uh, with the wonderful orchestra and the maestro. We look forward so much because a few years ago we were in Kaohsiung and it was a great, great experience. The people were so warm to us, so welcoming and uh, we felt so at home, although we were on the other side of the world. So uh, we looked forward hugely to come back here and uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the concerts. National Symphony Orchestra's music director, Jun Markle, says the upcoming concerts for the 2023 to 2024 season will focus on music from Eastern Europe and nature. 
you can expect a lot of more of the great, great orchestra works, not only by Richard Strauss, but other composers. We focus more on Eastern Europe. We, you, we get a lot of the great soloists of the world. We have a series we call the Great Violin Concertos. So some of the very fine soloists for the wonderful first-class violin concertos like Mendelssohn, like Brahms, like Beethoven. NSO's first concert for this season will kick off on September 17th at the National Concert Hall in Taipei. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hu Chong-en in Taipei. Taiwan's only aerospace and defense show is back in physical form after a four-year hiatus. The three-day exhibition launched on Thursday with a record of 280 vendors. The organizer said this was a chance to showcase Taiwan's drone and defense capabilities to the global market. And for the first time, the American Institute in Taiwan is hosting its own pavilion at the event. It's the grand opening of the Taipei Aerospace and Defense Technology Exhibition. Organizers and officials strike up a pose, symbolizing Taiwan's aerospace industry taking flight. On display are drone innovations by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology, along with Taiwan-made rockets and satellites. The defense show is back after a four-year hiatus due to the pandemic. It offers nearly 1,000 booths and 280 exhibitors from Taiwan and abroad, making it the largest show yet. Due to the pandemic and geopolitical shifts, there's been great global attention on our defense industry as well as our drone industry. So the timing here is very, very good. We're showing the world the considerable progress that our country has made in recent years. According to the Expo's organizers, drones, low-Earth orbit satellites and aerospace technologies have been national priorities. By 2030, the global drone market could reach 55 billion U.S. dollars, while the space industry could be worth 280 billion U.S. dollars, offering tremendous business opportunities. AIT director Sandra Odkirk led a tour of the USA Pavilion. Reflects the rapid development and growth of Taiwan's aerospace and defense industry, as well as the growing international attention. The United States and Taiwan have a long and robust history of partnership in the aerospace and defense sectors. My company wishes to forge licensing agreements with Taiwanese manufacturers and defense factories to produce domestically to localize our production chain. We hope to consolidate military and defense resources, the NCSIST, the AIDC, etc., and to localize our production capabilities. Taiwan's semiconductor and aerospace supply chains were showcased at the event, which drew visitors from around the world. Taiwan's efforts in homegrown defense were also on full display. U.S. lawmakers have completed a war game, exploring the financial impact of a Chinese attack of Taiwan in 2028. The exercise was held with financial and business executives in New York. Speaking on the top takeaways, Congressman Mike Gallagher said the U.S. must reduce its economic engagement with China or else it will have limited options in the event of a crisis. At a symposium held by a Washington-based think tank, U.S. House China Committee Chair Mike Gallagher previewed a new Taiwan war game. As I interpret it is to identify 
the bipartisan center of gravity, identify a set of policy and legislative proposals that can put us on a better path to competing effectively with China and things that can pass even in divided government. The war game was held with financial and business executives to simulate the effects of a Taiwan Strait conflict in the year 2028. If China were to blockade Taiwan, the global economy could face a loss of trillions of U.S. dollars, according to U.S. lawmakers. Therefore, the exercise focused not on missiles and torpedoes, but on economic sanctions, the swift banking system, and strengthening supply chains. The goal was to explore what measures could mitigate a future crisis. As China confronts serious economic and demographic issues, Xi Jinping could get more risk acceptant and could get less predictable and do something very stupid. According to Gallagher, it is imperative for the U.S. to cut off funding to China. Measures such as redirecting supply chains and cutting off U.S. capital in key industries could put the U.S. in a more advantageous position. He said that letting Beijing control key technologies and supply chains was like providing China with weapons to use against the U.S. I don't think anyone can defend the idea that we should be allowing American retirees to invest in Chinese military companies that are building things designed to kill Americans in a future conflict. Gallagher said Wall Street wasn't paying enough attention to the China threat and that the Biden administration's investment restrictions for China weren't comprehensive enough. Taking preventative measures while being prepared is the only way to prevent a Chinese attack on Taiwan, he said. Shares of TSMC bounced back on Thursday after turning ex-dividend. The stock closed at 550 NT a share, up 12 NT. The recovery led a rally in the broader index, which closed up 1.36% to close above 16,800 points. TSMC had issued a record cash dividend of 3 NT per share for its first quarter earnings. It reported net profits of 206 billion NT, with EPS coming to 7.98 NT. This was TSMC's first payout of 3NT per share after having kept its dividend of 2.75NT since 2021. An estimated of 1.3 million small shareholders cashed in. TSMC founder Morris Chang, who owns 125 million shares, stood to gain 375 million NT. Now we meet a language teacher from Thailand who embraces popular culture. Tirayut Samwati came to Taiwan seven years ago for graduate school. He found many of his classmates were fascinated by Thai movies and TV and were keen to learn the language. That's how his career in teaching began. And he stays true to his students' interest incorporating popular music and idol show references into class. His hope is to tempt more students to challenge of the cross-cultural exchange. Originally from Chiang Mai, Tiraide Somwati has been in Taiwan for seven years. He first came here to study, but in the last few years, the popularity of Thai BL stories has meant a surge in demand for Thai language classes. It wasn't what he expected, but now he finds himself teaching Thai.
I realized there were people who were interested in Thai current affairs, so I found some news articles, translated them to Chinese, and posted them on fan pages online. Then some people were interested in the Thai language, so I took some Thai language materials, or simply Thai words or sentences, and put them in as references. Then people private messaged me asking if I taught Thai. I like teaching Thai. I think it's a great job, and I also like the lifestyle and the living environment here. Somwati's teaching style incorporates current affairs, and he treats his students like friends. They go to the cinema and even follow celebrity news together. His fun classes make easy the arduous work of language learning. Lots of Thai people are studying Chinese now, actually. I want more and more Taiwanese people to study Thai. That way, we can use each other's languages to understand different cultures better. With his experience of life in both Thailand and Taiwan, Somwati can easily bring the Thai language into everyday life for his students. His greatest wish is to bring more people into a genuine cross-cultural exchange. Bike lovers recently descended on Hualien for a vintage scooter convention. More than 60 vintage bikes were at the event, including a large cohort of 80s-style bikes with a distinctive silhouette. In the 80s, a new type of scooter with unusual features was the hottest thing on the block. But many of those models have been out of production for decades. Only bike enthusiasts who held onto old wheels and maintained them carefully all these years can still enjoy the ride. The event was a huge hit of nostalgia for hundreds of bikers. A stream of Mingliu bikes from the 80s roll in. Their headlights look like the bonnets of race cars, with a steep sloping front piece and a foot brake. 30 years ago, these were the wheels of a heartbreaker. This bikers convention in Hualien attracted almost 60 of this rare type of bike. Back in the day, the forms of these bikes were quite avant-garde, quite eye-catching, and pretty good for picking up girls. The convention attracted bikers from all over Taiwan. Most of the Mingliu bikes have 20 or 30 years history. The proud owners must diligently collect parts to continuously repair wear and tear and keep the bike on the road year after year. It can take three or four years just to collect the materials. Yeah, because they're hard to find and you have to find repair shops who can fix them up for you. And alongside the Mingliu bikes, the event attracted other vintage models such as FZR and D-bikes. There are even vintage Jeeps. Generation X bike lovers were out in force to enjoy reminiscing over the old days. It's the memories. You don't see this anymore. If you didn't collect and preserve a bike like this, then basically, it's impossible for a bike like this to just appear nowadays. It just happens that today, there's a chance to come and see the bikes from the old days. It brings up certain memories. The convention was a trip down memory lane for many bike lovers, who maybe haven't seen this silhouette roar down the street for 30 years, but still remember it like it was yesterday.